Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How's Good how morning. Is everybody on this fine Saturday morning? Doing well. It's been a while. It's great so to see to you, back. Mark. Yeah, glad to be back. Oh, I'm so glad you're here today. Yeah, it's great to see you again. I know you're a busy guy. And yeah. probably I did send you an invite. All you got to do is accept it and come up and join us on the stage. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Congratulations, Kelly, on a really good Code Rosie um, session. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's always a it's always a highlight. Hopefully, more to come. More excitement in that space. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, that is the most awesome thing I've seen in a long time. <clears throat> Leadership in action, huh? Yeah, and great reminder always when we talk about that program that. It, you know, the things that you sometimes do that are most rewarding and most impactful are really falling outside of what we would maybe call your day job. Um, but they are really, truly sometimes the most rewarding things that you can do. 100% agree. I think there's nothing, there's nothing more rewarding than knowing that you've been able to influence the growth and the confidence and the transformation of other leaders. But that's the goal of this room, isn't it? So it's all about leadership. Yeah, and owning our role. Each one of us has a role. And we may have much more um, ability to impact others than we maybe give ourselves credit to or embrace at all times. So so with that reminder. All right. Well, um, I, I've, I have, we have uh, Dr. Prabha Kumsen down in the... Uh, She's, I'm, you know what, Kelly, I'm going to just pause for a minute because she's communicating me, communicating with me in the back. So give me a moment. Okay. No problem. Oops. Good morning, Chad. Okay. Good to have you here. Well. Morning. This is where I, I, I have to get my, my background music going like Tamara has been doing. 
got to have something to like hang out, set the mood, get the tone, get things happening. Um, what I might do since, since today we are doing a kind of a unique new session, um, as you probably have seen from the, from the title, we are going to really start to share leadership stories from individuals that, you know, again, have, have amazing backgrounds and it's wonderful to have Prava here. And so today will really be about, about digging into her story and learning from her journey. Um, I know she's in here now. So Tamara, I'm happy to kick you off if you want to go back and kick off the room and then we'll quickly do roundtable on, on the word of the week. And then we're going to just, we're going to dive right into the interview and give a lot of time to, to hear and learn from Prava today. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to get her in here. I just wanted to make sure she didn't have any trouble. So um, welcome, fellow leaders, to Learning to Lead. The clubhouse here that we created, Kelly and I created as your hosts. It was a clubhouse that we created as a forum to talk about everything leadership, you know, those challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. In addition, this forum is designed to learn and hone your leadership skills, either by investing in yourself or the others in the room. There's various leaders from all industries that join us in this discussion, bringing diversity in experience and perspective. So whether you're a seasoned leader or an entry-level leader, this is the forum where you can learn and support each other on your learning on your leadership journey. <clears throat> so a couple of real quick things. Um, if you would, uh, we encourage you to follow the Learning to Leave Clubhouse by clicking on the greenhouse icon. And also encourage you to follow other room, others in the room so you can grow your network of like-minded leaders. And you can also share the room by clicking the arrow at the, at the bottom. It's actually a little box with an arrow to share it with others that are following you here on Clubhouse. And those that you feel may uh, actually benefit from hearing the discussions that we have in this room. Um, welcome to those on the stage and those in the listening lounge. We welcome you and encourage you to come up and and or and or listen uh, to, to listen to the conversation today. There's a couple of ways you can communicate with us. That's the chat features at the bottom of the screen or via direct message, Instagram, or also on our Substack website. So take advantage of our replays and our recaps, our resources that we post on both LinkedIn and most importantly on our Substack website. A lot, of, a lot of great information is there. You can subscribe to the Substack where, website where you can access all of our content, including recordings of all of our clubhouse topics, along with the resources that we discuss in those uh, discussions. So um, thank you all for joining us on a Saturday morning. I'm going to turn the mic over to Kelly and let her get us going. Wonderful. Thank you, Tamara. So um, as, as I started to talk about, we're going to be doing an interview today. I'm super excited, but I do really, um, in addition to how we kind of share this room and as we all learn and grow, love to still do our, our word of the week. So I'm going to do a quick roundtable with everyone just to do a check-in, remind that it's really important that we spend time checking in with ourselves, reflecting on what's going on um, and trying to maybe keep track of that over time. And it can be as, as simple as a word. Um, and maybe evolves into what we talked about in the past when we think about reflection around the idea of continuing to maybe journal or capture some of your thoughts to see kind of some of the key themes and stories that come up as you reflect back on what's been happening both in your career or maybe your personal life. So with that, I'll start us off with Tamsin. Good morning and thank you, Kelly. My word is proud. Um, not only is it Pride Month, but I'm, a couple of weeks back, I told you about my daughter's journey into um, her acting career. Well, she has a call back on Wednesday with the director of this film. So big news. I'm proud of her. 
Fantastic. So much to be proud of. Congratulations and good luck to her. Hope it all works out. And that the next time we talk to you, we'll be hearing about her landing the role. Mark. Relaxed. Uh, coming back from a few weeks off, but uh, last weekend I got to visit the elusive Mako uh, in Seattle. So I spent a little bit of time with him and, you know, it's good to get together with friends and very relaxed coming back from that trip. Sounds wonderful. I'm so glad you made time for that on multiple levels. And you're right. We have to sometimes make time to, to, to catch up with our friends and our colleagues and the folks in our network that we love to be around. It can be easy to, to lose track of that, but great to make time for it. Chad. Um, I would say a post-mortem. I think that we fixed a, or at least are on a huge path to fix a major issue at work and I got to use the word postmortem a lot for both this week and looking towards next week. Yeah, a huge part of reflection is that moment of, of really digging in and looking back and asking ourselves what could be better, what could be changed, what worked really well. So very much in theme, but can totally relate. Prava, good morning. You might be on mute, so if you want to try to unmute, we would be welcome to hear your word of the week, but also we're happy to move on to Amrita if it's easier. Hey, um, good morning. My word of the week is, is just busy. Um, I am taking a couple of days off next week, so I was trying to kind of do a jam-packed schedule last week so that I don't have to worry about anything next week while I'm on PTO. So it was pretty busy because of that, but I'm happy now because I get to start my my holidays. Ah, fantastic. Well earned. I love the, I know it. we all feel what it feels like to prepare for those those holidays. It's like that, that all the storm of like pushing and cramming to get it all done, but that allows you to just Step away and unplug. So well-deserved. Hope you have a wonderful break. Bernice. Hi, good morning. Uh, my word of the week would be excitement. I'm going to be changing roles soon. So I had my first meeting with my to-be manager. So, you know, I'm in this period where everything is um, super exciting. And we'll see which walls I, I hit. But so far, I'm going to enjoy this feeling. Fantastic. Congratulations. Yes, it's an exciting time. And we, we hope to hear more about how, how it goes and, and how we can support you on your journey. Tamara. Uh, my word of the week this week is I'm picking resilience. Um, I have um, done a lot of writing this week as well as I am just, um, you know, just kind of reevaluating where I am, kind of reevaluating where, what my goals are for the future and, feeling really positive about the growth that I've achieved so far. Now, um, uh, Prabha, did you push the mute button at the bottom right corner? Maybe try that one more time. She's having a little trouble getting off mute. It's showing um, that she's off mute on her side. Um, because I want to introduce her and get us going on this interview. So, Kelly, if you want to say, why don't you share your word while we're doing this? No problem. Um, I think I would say um, confidence. You know, and we talked a little bit at the top that I was a part of this Code Rosie program uh, where we did a graduation. And, you know, coming to this, doing this group was a, a passion project of Tamara and I's. But what I learned and realized is, you know, by by being a part of the commencement and giving a speech and being an MC and doing all these different 
roles that in the past may have been things that created a lot of anxiety or made me nervous. Um, it actually allowed me to really step into my confidence much more and realize how much I've learned, even just by doing something like this outside of work um, and outside of the things that I would do for my, my, my job. And so it was a reminder um, and I really felt that confidence show up. And it was a reminder of, you know, again, all the things we talk about in here, which is sometimes the investment and in growth comes from doing things, you know, outside of your day to day and stretching yourselves in ways that allow you to learn and expand and grow. So it was a, a great learning opportunity. Um, it looks like maybe Prabha, are things working on your side um, or we can happily kind of troubleshoot as well offline? Um, I've recommended that she just uh, drop off and come back in and see if maybe that helps with it. So uh, hopefully we will get her back online here. Cool. Um, we're real excited to have this opportunity to in interview a, a seasoned executive such as Dr. Prabha Kumsen. So let's see if we can get her back on stage. She's going to try to jump in. So bear with us, everyone. A lot of us yeah, work Kelly, in technology, so we get it. Don't worry about yes. it. We all know. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Can you yes, hear me now? We can hear. Oh yay! <laughs> yes. Um, I, what I ended up doing, uh, Prabha, they don't see your I, your your picture on here. But what I ended up doing is just making you a moderator to make it easier. So welcome, okay, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So I would love to introduce uh, Dr. Prabha Kumsen. Uh, she's a very motivated and talented healthcare leader with experience across the care continuum, and expertise in implementation of strategic, operational, and innovative innovative approaches to care delivery. She has a specialty in population health and interprofessional collaborative practice. As an educator, she's driven to inspire the pursuit of academic and personal excellence by creating challenging and engaging learning environments to promote lifelong practitioners and scholars. She's an expert in the development and implementation of educational technology tools and applications to support diverse teaching and learning settings in conjunction with current expertise of healthcare practice environments. She's a national and international speaker on healthcare models, innovation, and best practices. And I'd like to say too that, you know, it's great to have have you here today, Prabha. You know, healthcare leaders are in the in the business of human life. Um, which makes things sometimes a lot more challenging for us as leaders to influence uh, a larger contribution and touch point, um, ultimately, you know, in people's lives, you know, those who you, you know, you think about your loved ones or your friends or your families. This is the, this is the business that Prob is in and she's, she's just a incredibly seasoned and, um, reputable, you know, dedicated, credible leader. And we really look forward to hearing all about her leadership journey. So Prabh, I'm going to turn it over to you to share your education and your background, and we'll just move on into the interview. Excellent. Thank you. And hello again, everyone. Um, so um, I'm originally from Ghana, West Africa, and I'll be weaving parts of that into um, just sharing my journey, my experiences, etc. cetera, um, primarily because that context is important to um, sort of understanding the way that I think and function and some of my perspectives on um, life in general, um, work, leadership, you know, et cetera. So you will hear snippets of, of those. 
I started my my career in Ghana and um, I completed a Bachelor of Arts, Nursing and Psychology, graduated with a, an honors degree. Um, this was, gosh, way back six million years ago. And at the time, because Ghana um, is a developing country, the strategy at the time was to train folk who really would man primary health um, and refer on to tertiary services, et cetera, as appropriate. So this BA program actually lasted five and a half years. And, um, you know, by the time I was done, I had um, my general nursing. I was a psych nurse, also a midwife an administrator and an educator, because you basically had to do it all. I've always been so very grateful for that start to my career because it provided me a really solid foundation for future growth. After graduating in Ghana, I did um, a year of national service, which was required because education was free um, in Ghana. And then I met a man, fell in love and relocated to England. Um, and I lived and worked in England for about 14 years and did a lot of work in the National Health Service, um, you know, spanning acute care, mental health, you know, just a range of different um, service opportunities. And whilst in England, I also was privileged to do my Master of Science in General Practice and Primary Health um with the University of Westminster and that was um a great experience because the focus of this was on interprofessional education and interprofessional functioning in healthcare so again just um another really great program that benefited me a lot i got the itch for um some adventure and so i relocated to california i tell everyone that i came out to california to thaw out after 12 years in england because i was so cold and wet and um so when i came to california um my goal was to gain an understanding of what the healthcare system looked like and functioned sort of across the pond um and so i i started very very humbly um, with, um, you know, first of all, doing my NCLEX and then continuing on to do um, a re new grad residency program because I wanted to have a deep understanding of, you know, how how the work gets done in the States. Um, and then I followed that up then with doing a postmaster certificate as a nurse educator because that's the other passion that I have. Um, through that program, um, I got in, in, interested in doing my doctorate in nursing practice, which I did with the CSU. Um, and this was San Jose State and Fresno State. Um, and then subsequent to that, I did an executive leadership certificate with Cornell University um, to continue to top up my skills. So that's my what my education journey has been so far. And back to you, Tamara. That's quite an extensive uh, background, and it's uh, I've worked. I've had the privilege of working with with you, Prabha, and um, she is she absolutely illuminates all that she just articulated in her in her educational background. She is a um, and a very articulate leader and has incredible influence over those she works with. Um, so, um, Prabha, I guess the questions I would start with is. Um, 
Well, you, well, I don't know whether you feel like you maybe have already said this, but I'm curious about what your first leadership role was and how that, you know, kind of what did you experience in a first leadership role? You know, often people are thrown into those roles and just expected to find their way. And then also mm-hmm. maybe kind of walking us up to where you currently are as a leader and, and just sharing, you know, some of the pitfalls, you know, some of the learnings, what, you know, you would give advice to other leaders in the room as well. Great question. So my my first leadership role, um, I think for me, was not um, sort of your traditional um, adult sort of leadership role. Um, when I was 10 years old, I was the girl's prefect in my grade school. And I remember that so clearly and so distinctly because the the learnings and experiences that I had um, during that phase of my life have actually impacted in many ways who and what I am now. And, you know, I recall being the skinny little girl um, that um, had responsibility for making sure that, um, that the school and the school children behaved as they were supposed to. And, you know, in, in Ghana, um, you know, as, as, as I've sat in different classrooms, um, sort of in the UK, in the States, et cetera, in Ghana, the, the education is somewhat more authoritarian, right? So you listen to what the teacher said and you did not have, you know, real opportunity to um, sort of challenge, talk back, you know, et cetera. You were given what you were given and you had to take that and run with it. Um, and so in, in this background, part of my responsibility was making sure that basically people did what they were told, which was the, you know, the young kids. Um, And that felt like such an enormous responsibility. Um, And I remember every day walking away feeling as though there was so much that was on my shoulders. And even at that age, starting to think a little bit about um, how could I um, offload some of what I perceive to be on my shoulders to others. Um, I remember going to the headmistress at the time with a suggestion um, because one of my responsibilities every Friday morning was to do a health check. And so basically would have a, a big assembly um, all the kids would be lined up. Um, it was a, a small sort of private primary school. So there were about, I think a total of about maybe 60, 70 kids. Um, and part of my responsibility was to to walk with the teacher on duty, sort of inspecting um, teeth and nails, you know, as um, a function of how well these kids were either a taking care of themselves or not. And I had to write little notes for these kids to take home to their parents if I found anything untoward. And this process would take about 45 minutes, you know, by the time I did all the rounds, you know, with the teacher writing these notes. And so one of my very first suggestions was um, deciding that we needed a representative sort of for each class who would do that under my supervision. And of course, at the time, I didn't think about that as um, delegation, right? But that that was exactly what that was. Um, And those sort of lessons have stuck with me as I've done my leadership journey. So, you know, my my first grown-up leadership 
piece was being um, uh, uh, the, the the floor manager on um, the acute hospital, and this was after I had graduated from my baccalaureate program. So here I was, you know, still a relatively new nurse, but because I was a graduate nurse um, in the hospital hierarchy, I had to be the um, the, the boss of the unit. And I remember again, the sense of um, how am I going to be a good boss if I don't know the work? Um, and again, this sort of overwhelming feeling of as the leader in the room, I should be equipped well enough to lead. So I should know the, the policies, the procedures, the practices, et cetera, because others depend on me. And that, again, that, that feeling, that knowledge, that perspective has always been part of my own sort of leadership um, thought that being a leader means you have responsibility and accountability for others. And, and to that end, you have to be properly equipped to do that work. And sometimes the, the equipping to do that work um, falls in your lap totally, even if it shouldn't. Um, and, and this speaks to, you know, often the lack of um, targeted and appropriate leadership development, because, you know, often we find ourselves in these leadership roles um, by default. Um, somebody moves from a position, you get thrust into it. Um, it's like, okay, you're great, you can do it, etc. But there isn't thoughtful um sort of application of, you know, this is the role, this is what it requires, and this is what this leader needs to function well. And I'm sure you've all experienced that at, you know, some point or the other. Um, so these leadership positions, as they've grown increasingly more complex, have also had the same types of um characteristics and, you know, and, and the criteria for success very often to me sort of remains the same, that you've got to have the knowledge, the skills, the the aptitude, and you've got to be able to pull all of that together in a package that helps you be the support that you are to others. And sometimes that's being directive, sometimes that's being facilitative, um, sometimes that means um, that um, you're collaborative, sometimes maybe a little on the authoritarian side, but you, you need to have that toolkit that helps you function in those leadership roles. You know, we just got through uh, in this in this clubhouse talking about uh, different leadership styles. And so it was really refreshing to hear you refer to how you flex in and out of those various different leadership styles uh, based on the situation, based on the team that you're working with. And, um, you know, and I, I, I love the fact that you were sharing about how you know, from your earliest uh, entry into a formal management role is this this desire to feel, or, or should I say really more of an expectation of yourself to know uh, key information to, to lead your team. And I know that that's often, you know, what we all want to know, but there, it, it's hard sometimes to come into a new role and, and know everything. And I would right. often say, I would often say too that, in my in my current situation, I think what's key, and and I want to hear your thoughts on this, is 
it's better to hire someone who's a really good leader and they can mm -hmm. lead people and they can affect, um, they can influence people and they can, you know, they can learn the rest of it. But if they're not a good leader, you know, you kind of like, it's like a, a, a recipe for disaster. What are your thoughts around that? Uh, you know, you're yeah, absolutely right. Um, I think, um, you know, to my prior point, you know, when I spoke about um, that the the need for sort of expertise and knowledge, etc., sort of falling in your lap, what that means to me is that you, in many ways, have responsibility for recognizing the gaps that you have and making the effort as a leader to resource those gaps the best that you can. Um, it doesn't remove the responsibility of maybe the organizations, the teams, and the groups that we function in um, to provide the appropriate sort of supports to enable you to do that. But part of leadership is really starting with understanding you as a person, the way you think and function, and being able then to translate that into your work. So, you know, one of my prior bosses, this was many years ago, gave me some feedback that was just wonderful because he helped me grow so much. And she said to me, um, you seem to have an unusual way of thinking in very concrete terms. So that's how I, I, I build my thinking. It's how I structure sort of my processes, my approach. Um, and I, I tend to be very pragmatic in my approach to leadership. So, you know, often when I sit with teams and groups, you know, extra doing some work, I already sort of have it entirely mapped up in my head. One of the things that I was missing as a young leader was not recognizing that even if I've mapped something out and I know what it should look like from A to Z, I was missing the piece that um, helped me understand that the others in the room, they, they don't live in my head, right? So they don't know the A to Z of my thinking. What was that gap? I was missing the gap of really being able to connect and translate what maybe my intent was, my approach, you know, fully. So the folk in the room were sort of getting half the picture and I had expectations of them that was more than they were going to be able to provide with half that picture. So that was great feedback um, for leadership growth because it really helped me to be very intentional about starting things from the beginning and walking those through to the end, if that makes sense. Right. So, um, you know, again, learning about your own gaps, um, about yourself as a person, even, you know, how you respond, how you react, how you think is critical to the way in which you engage with others, which is, of course, one of your primary leadership functions is engaging with others influencing change, getting things done, you know, et cetera. And so that communication piece, that engagement piece is so important to be aware of. Thank you for sharing. That was so insightful and so powerful. And I'm, I'm curious, I mean, you really covered a lot there. And I, I love the fact you talked about how, and, and many of, of the leaders in here, I'm sure can relate to that. It's all mapped out in your head. You have a vision and you kind of see where you want to go. But how do you translate that to those that are going to follow that, that vision of what you put, what you have in your head? 
Um, and, and I'm curious to know, um, how do you leverage your influence uh, to mo to motivate and maximize the potential of those that are uh, that those that you work with? Mm -hmm. so, so one of the um, really big areas for me is this awareness around um, role modeling. And often, um, you know, I've learned over time that there's a lot that we do around implicit role modeling, right? We're, and we're very unaware of it. Um, but as leaders, you know, you are, you are seen all the time. You're always on. It's like you're visible. Um, and that visibility comes through in so many different ways. It's what you choose to do versus what you don't do. It's how you do it. It's how you say it, et cetera. People are constantly looking at your behavior and they're taking away bits and pieces of information from it, the explicit and the implicit, both. Um, and so that awareness of that um, means that for me as a leader, integrity, authenticity, connection to purpose, awareness, all of these are very front and center of my sort of engagement strategy, um, knowing that um, others are looking at my behavior and they're taking information and perceptions um, from my behavior that I may not even be aware of. And so um, to me, starting off from sort of a well-centered, I'm going to do my best. Starting off from, um, you know, a well-centered, I'm going to communicate the best that I can. Um, I'm going to be truthful and honest and authentic because if I'm not, and if I'm not believable, it's going to be really difficult to influence. Um, often I, I say you can't mandate respect. It's, it's earned. And, and that earning of that respect doesn't come through a title. It comes through how people see you function in that title, in that role. Um, and folk are looking for a number of things that are often unstated. You know, it's, it's not so much that um, you run a good meeting, for example, as it is about in that meeting, everybody has an opportunity to feel heard and their contribution valued and that they actually even have the opportunity to contribute. So the mechanics of, for example, how you run a good meeting, um, those are the mechanics, but the intent behind it has to be genuine and authentic, right? So I'm going into this meeting. I know I'm going to have to influence something. I'm probably going to have to share something that folk don't want to hear or wouldn't connect with. So I've got to strategize how I'm going to connect around that. Um, inauthenticity shows. Um, being disingenuous to me, I think, comes through. So it's Again, it's important, you know, if I have to share information that is not so good, it's important that I acknowledge, you know, this is hard to share um, and I have concerns about it, but this is where we are and this is what maybe we're supposed to do. And I do have some ideas, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are first and then we can all go ahead and maybe have a discussion. Um, so 
by doing that, you know, I, I have let them know uh, authentically that, you know, I'm in that same space that they are, you know, for example. Um, but we also have a job to do because there's an expectation related to whatever it is that we expected to do, right? So, and we've got to get it done. So how do we come together and sort of how do we get that done? Um, again, just some thoughts there too. Um, thank you. Thanks, Prabha. Um, you know, one of the things that we have been talking about over the last several weeks in this uh, in this forum is values based leader, which leadership, which you um, really hit quite a bit on, which was defining your values and aligning your daily life and how you interact with people with those values and with that purpose and, and really looking at what your impact is on others and how you show up. I loved how you covered truthful, being truthful, honest, authentic, and genuine. And um, when you, um, when you think about this, um, let's see here, um, what, what were some of the key milestones or monumental moments for you as you, uh, you know, you articulated a lot here, but was there a moment in time or moments in time to your, your leadership journey where, you know, you became more aware, you became more clear about what those values were and how you would um, incorporate those into your leadership style? Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, I remember this. Um, my master's program was so incredible in starting me off on on that sort of process of awareness. Um, this was a new program um, and it was developed because there was, um, you know, lots of emerging sort of understanding about how um, we work together interprofessionally. Um, and so we were part of the first cohort and uh, developed by um, a team called, you know, the, um, David and Patrick Piccioni, and, and you can tell I'll never forget them because they, they so influenced my leadership journey. And the, the program actually started with a week of intensive psychotherapy. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you know, why would we, you know, do this? But, you know, it was a cohort of about 40 folk. And, you know, we all went off to this lovely old English place where they had all these psychotherapists and we had a week of all sorts of activities and so on and so forth. And I think around about day two, I connected with the fact that, oh, I'm here to learn about me, myself and how I connect with others and, you know, my own behaviors and all of this. So as we went through this program, everybody learned something about themselves. I do know that like on day two, about um, a quarter of the cohort already left because it was difficult for them in these exercises um, to come sort of face to face with the interpretations of their behaviors, um, even within the interprofessional teams that they, they manage. So one of the things that I learned about myself there was, um, and you know, it sounds, when I was given that feedback, I didn't really truly understand it. I understand it better now. It said, you know, you're the kind to sort of light a little fire and see what that produces. And I thought, what? I'm not an arsonist. But what they meant was, I'm the kind of leader, kind of person who really wants to know the why and the how. And if I find myself in a situation where something doesn't make sense. I'm very likely not going to walk away from it. I'm going to say, well, but why are we doing this? And that was great because 
throughout my leadership journey, I've realized that indeed that is very much a part of my approach and it's a part of my very authentic self, right? Um, so with that awareness, though, came the implementation of different practices just for me as an individual and then practices that I was able to share with my teams and groups. So, you know, I spent 10 minutes every day reflecting on my day. I reflect on, you know, what I did well, what I didn't well, what the takes home sort of lessons are. And in my current leadership team, we have a practice that we call leadership learning moments. And, and that's a point at which we all stop and reflect on something. So someone might have had um, a situation to deal with extra. And, and as they're sharing that, and you come across that absolutely wonderful nugget that we all want to learn from, you know, we all have responsibility to say, oh my God, it's a leadership learning moment. Tell us a little bit more about what you did, how you did it, why you did it, etc. So, you know, that creating of that awareness leads you into um, what, you know, we, we typically call reflective practice. So reflection on action and reflection in action. And often I think we're better able to understand how we're functioning when we're able to do that reflection in action because it's so much more contemporaneous and you can connect those pieces together as you're looking at what you've done, how you've done it, what the outcome is. Yeah, that's that's a really, that's incredible. Yeah, the increased awareness, the, reflect, the refle reflective practice um, on action and inaction um, is, is I, I can see how there would be a lot of sharing. And again, I think, you know, safe, creating that safe environment that, you know, I assume is in place, obviously, knowing you as, yes. a, as a leader is, <laughs> you know, making it, making people comfortable, making sure people feel comfortable to talk about, you know, what they, what's on their mind, share their ideas, share their struggles, whatever that may, may yes. be, um, because group wisdom is incredibly powerful. Um, so, um, you have often referred to yourself as a disruptor and I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about that. Well, you know, I like little fires, Tamara. <laughs> so I guess, um, um, the disruptor in me, I think really comes from a place of, um, authentic leadership and I, I to me part of that leadership authenticity is that honesty and that transparency um, because again I think those are really key to engaging with others and influencing you know others um, and it's it's taking for sort of years of honing that skill um, over and over because um, being a disruptor just to me is really about sometimes being that voice that's um, perhaps a little unafraid to ask the questions. And I don't mean unafraid as in, um, you know, just being, of course, there's always sort of fear of reprisals and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I think as a leader, when you are able to situate yourself in a position where the why question and the how question become infused as part of that um, acceptable sort of standard language. 
um, it really helps you then to be able to influence um, the decision making, what gets done and what doesn't get done. Um, I have learned over time that you disrupt also in in different ways. Sometimes you've got to allow for situations to evolve so folk have and can gain a deeper understanding perhaps of the feedback that you're providing because they may not see it from the get-go. Sometimes you've got to create that sort of awareness much earlier in the trajectory of whatever it is that's going to be happening. Um, But in my role, um, uh, especially in my, my current system, I sort of, I, I, I work in a program that very often bumps up against established practices. So, you know, for example, um, earlier on in the year, we found out that for our oncology service line, only about 20% of patients diagnosed with stage four cancer had an advanced care plan in place. And that was really surprising um, because these were a lot of folk with these advancing cancers. Some of them were potentially even eligible for hospice. And seemingly providers were not talking to them about their choices, values, and preferences for their care. Um, You know, deeply concerning. Um, And so that data had to be shared because we needed really very quick practice change. That meant we have to influence um, a physician group and a service line um, that have very established ways of of doing things, how they practice, right? And are somewhat unwilling to change their practices. Um, So that required sort of the use of data, um, impact, patient stories, Um, You know, I I even got to bring in um, a couple of frontline staff into leadership meetings to tell their story of caring for these patients. And what I wanted to do was really paint this picture that by not doing this work, we were failing patients. It was a patient safety issue. Yes, we may meet the mark on so many other metrics, but that essentially what was most important to these patients, we were failing to do. That was not messaging that was um, necessarily comfortable to share. But in order to achieve that practice change, it had to be shared. Um, So, you know, devise the way of doing that. And so now what's been the the, the results? We have um, our oncology nurse navigators um, now routinely as part of their standard work We'll pull reports, identify patients in various stages who need to have advanced care planning. They will set that up with their physicians. It's very collaborative, and we've had great results. Um, But when it started off, it was seen um, a a little bit as being critical of the oncology service line, which was not how that was meant to be. So maybe just um, an example there to share, Tamara. An excellent example of the finesse in it challenging gently or disrupting. And honestly, we've mm-hmm. talked a lot in this group as well about, you know, staying stay, staying in a space of curiosity. And right. by what you described, you were piquing the curiosity of the practitioners that, 
you know, had the standard way of providing care to these patients. And it's, it's an excellent, an excellent example of influencing and, and challenging the status quo, which is, but, but that, that's also challenging. There's a real finesse and art in it. Right. Um, yes. So um, we have about uh, 10, well, 15 minutes to go here. And I just want to kind of shift our conversation. And I want to hear a little, I'm wondering if you could share with the, the group here uh, a little more about how you invest in your own leadership growth. You talked a little bit about uh, your reflection um, every day, about 10 minutes. But I'm curious to know, is there other things that you do that you invest in your own growth as a leader? Yes. So I'm, I'm, you know, formally, I'm always looking for um, opportunity to improve sort of my skill set. Um, so one of the, the ways I do that is um, diversifying sort of my practice. And so um, I'm an assistant professor of nursing. Um, I love that work because it provides, um, you know, space for me to function at that academia practice interface, which is Great. So I, I like that formal sort of learning piece. And then informally, um, I'm always looking at um, gaps in my own knowledge and skill base. So um, and I will reach out and ask for mentoring directly. You know, um, and if let's say I happen to be in a meeting, there's another leader um, sharing some knowledge extra, something I don't know, don't have. I'm very humble about reaching out and saying, oh my gosh, I heard you speak and this was fascinating and I'd love to learn more. Would you mind mentoring me around this? So I do that too, um, you know, all the time. And I also stay very connected to the base of my profession. So sort of the frontline work, um, because I, I just feel like I need to continually um, know what's happening there in order for me to function effectively you know, as a leader. Um, and, you know, I, I think fi finally, I, I do have lots of um, awareness always just around me of, you know, the skill sets of other folk um, and learning of, you know, the skills that I see exhibited in, in other settings. So, you know, if someone gave a great presentation, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to check off those aspects of that presentation that really piqued my interest. And I'm going to try and then incorporate that. Um, I very much into the, um, you know, sort of um, learn it, do it type framework. So I, I probably will practice it then at my next presentation too. Um, so that's how I manage my growth. And then lastly, I try to push myself into spaces that are, just uncomfortable for me. Um, as much as I, I speak publicly, you know, etc., it's still not always a fun place for me to be. Um, I, I try to get connected on those sort of areas that I'm not comfortable with, just so I can push myself also to grow in those areas. Yes. Uh, when we're uncomfortable, we're truly growing. So I, I love that. I love that you said that. I embrace that as well as a leader. Um, and, and so, you know, just to carry on, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, do you have any recommendations for books or podcasts or anything else that you might use as a leader to grow or grow others? Um, so, you know, one 
I I like to follow again, and that's an interesting one. I I tend to be a conference groupie, um, and because often I find that at these conferences, um, I I f try and follow sort of those agenda topics, right? Because they're usually very current um, and relatable. Um, so I do like to know what's happening in sort of my broader world out there, and then I follow that. So from that standpoint, I would then sort of track that back to any articles that are being shared, maybe reference readings, um, any innovations that other folk have done. I follow that a lot, and I find it helps me to stay very current. Um, and so current, well, currently, that's um, a lot of what I am doing, that um, looking at what's current in my world and tracking that back to any supporting um, information that's aligned, you know, with that work. So, you know, currently all the stuff around, you know, sort of value-based um, care. I, I sit on a national group, the Center to Transform Advanced Care, where we try to um, shape some of the legislature and the funding models for um, end-of-life care, et cetera, the MA populations, you know, all of those. So even though it's not... Um, it's sort of a natural fit for me. I, you know, this is a leadership group because, you know, you've got all these wonderful national leaders who have a lot of expertise in that. So it's great to be part of that group. I do a lot of learning. And then I also push myself to contribute. So through that process, um, I'm able then to stay current. So that's my strategy for now. Thank you, Prabha. I want to give uh, others in the room, we have about nine minutes to go. I want to give others in the room a chance to ask questions of Prabha about her leadership journey. So I'll ask a question why others might be thinking. Thank you, Prabha. There's, uh, there's so much uh, amazing information and insight and wisdom that you just shared in that. So I think we'll be going back and, and referencing a lot of what you've shared already. Um, as somebody who, and, and heard it come through, you know, consistently as somebody who's continuously learning, continuously seeking to improve and grow and expand your knowledge. And as an educator, when you look back at that, that starting that first experience you shared as a young girl in Ghana, you know, how do you see yourself as an educator and how did that first experience really shape your relationship with with your role as a leader both you know from an education perspective and a teacher as well great question um you know i remember during that time i used to run a homework club out of my mother's garage and the reason i did that was because i, I was very bad at math and often needed help. Now, my mother was very busy. Um, I lost my dad when I was um, six years old. And my mother um, was a, a busy educator herself, often, you know, traveled. So she wasn't always available to assist. And I thought, if I can harness sort of the power of the group, and of course, that's not what I thought of when I was that age. But I sort of intuitively felt if we all did this together, I would get the help that I needed. Others would contribute. They might have answers where I didn't. And so that's where that started, right? Um, and that quickly taught me that for me, my best way of learning was, uh, you know, maybe getting those experiences, getting the, um, the knowledge 
and then teaching it to others. The teaching it to others was what was what hardwired my own learning, you know, for me. And so again, that's what um, I have moved into my formal sort of educator role um, is that I, I try to facilitate um, teaching and learning as a continuum. So even in my sort of formal classes, et cetera, that's the model that's always applied is um, access the information, understand it, and then teach it to others. Um, and in teaching it to others, you, you are going to actually hardwire that and um, it, it sticks better. And then you're able to translate that also and adapt that information to suit other types of situations, backgrounds, you know, and with other groups. That's so fantastic. And it's amazing, right? Often when we, when we think about our own journeys, right, our own stories, the things that we've experienced to, to your point, you kind of, you know, mentioned it, you know, you didn't probably really acknowledge what you were doing as a, as a young girl in that moment. But looking yeah. back that that those yeah. moments that show up that you see that that spark of something that you you were tapping into um, so early. I have another question, but I will pause and see if anybody else has questions as well. Sounds like your question's up, Kel, okay, go ahead. Um, I know we only have about five minutes left and I'm gonna ask what could potentially be a big question. Um, but, mm -hmm. and you've talked about it a, a, a lot. And again, I, I have probably a million questions for you, but I, I will be cognizant of time. Um, one of the things we talk a lot about in this group, and I think we continuously focus on it, Tamara hit on it, and you hit on it several times, are these moments of, of curiosity and of seeking growth, seeking knowledge in multiple ways. And I loved your term of being a conference junkie. Um, <laughs> I want to go all the way back. And when we think about purpose and we think about value, what made you go into healthcare? You spent a lot of time in healthcare. You know, you're a doctor, you're very accomplished, you're an educator in this space. What was it as you think about both today and previously that started you on that path that made that something that you would seek? to spend so much time on and so much energy, you know, both personally and professionally? Um, you know, I think at, at an early age, um, I felt the need to be connected to something that I valued. And again, at that age, I didn't recognize it in those terms, but I, I always felt as though um, anything that I did needed to have an impact in some shape, size, or form. Um, and when I found myself, you know, I remember during my baccalaureate program, um, I had wanted to be a psychologist. And then I found myself in the, you know, the nursing program. And um, I so appreciated the fact that I could have an impact. Um, and just that piece there, having an impact, I, I see now became really important to me. Um, and I thought, gosh, if, if I know enough to be able to help someone, a situation, you know, whatever that is, um, I would be useful. It, it, it's sort of, to me, it's sort of almost validated, you know, my existence, my purpose is that I'm not just here 
just being here, but I can actively contribute. And as I, I went through my nursing program, I especially remember, you know, the public health pieces and going out in the community and, and just seeing what amazing impact you could have by sharing just a little, you know, it's, it's that mother who is trying to wean her baby from breast milk and just being able to give nutritional advice. Um, it's that patient who's been told they have high blood pressure and don't really understand what that means or how their diet contributes to that. Um, and and I, it, I, it made me just personally feel very useful, like I was contributing something that was worthwhile to others. And I think that's, again, the feeling that sustained me. So um, my educational journey has always been one um, that's built on curiosity, really trying always to resource the gaps that I think that I have, but also understanding that um, since I'm in a position to influence others, I have to try and give of my best. And then I just like knowing things. My daughter says I'm very nosy, I'm bossy, but I like knowing things. It, you know, it's it's great to be able to connect those pieces together, this leads to that and so on and so forth. And then it makes sense. And um, and then you can share it with somebody else and and then it, it works. It has an impact. That's a positive one for someone's life situation. And that sort of that's my connection to purpose and you know why I've done sort of the things that I've done because it brings me that value. Fantastic. Great. Well, thank you. And I know we've, I know we've, uh, we've taken a lot of time already and we're already out of time, but I think it's such a, again, so many valuable insights that you've shared. And I think even in that moment of, of purpose being grounded in impact, you know, quite frequently we have any, you know, gifts or abilities, or, you know, even to your point on, you know, that, that theme of curiosity and being nosy, I can relate to that. Um, you know, when you seek and follow that, sometimes it is about leading into the service and impact of others that can really show all of those things that are undercover that really make you who you are. Those come to life and allow you to have great successes, but also great, great impact. Yes, uh, thank you, Prabha. We really appreciate uh, that you came uh, forward today and shared all of your wisdom, um, all of your entire leadership journey. I'm sure there's so many more pieces in there. We're so honored to have had you here and thank you for that time. We're uh, at the 1030 hour and so we will get ready to close the clubhouse. Is there any last minute thoughts anyone has before we close the room down? All right. Well, we'll send you on your way into a nice weekend. Enjoy yourself and lead with courage and confidence into next week, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Prabha. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Prabha. Thanks, everyone. Thank Have a great weekend.